You know, when I got back from Vietnam, I didn't have a lot going for me. No friends, no home, and a town full of cops giving me shit. The only thing that got me through was the Sean Geek Podcast, which I download off of SeanMcGinnity.ca, and so should you. That's the Sean Geek Podcast, which you can download from SeanMcGinnity.ca. Do it, or the first blood's going to be yours. from the Sean Geek Podcast. I got my co-host Fast Red Fingers hello, hello. and special guests tonight is, who are you, sir? Nick Dyson. Hey. And Nick Dyson from Dugold. <laughs> yeah. No Actually, my, no, I wish or else I'd be rich. Actually, I have an, I have an Uncle William, although we call him Uncle Bill, and the guy that owns Dyson is William Dyson. Are you serious? Yeah, dude. Damn. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Except, but unfortunately, it's not the same William. Yeah, he can't afford his checks. <laughs> I can't, unfortunately. No. Nice. Uh, so I, I stumbled upon uh, Nick. Uh, I was I listened to Witch Police regularly, and I'm friends with Sam, and um, we we share music pretty often. Uh, I'll he'll give me a fine. I'll give him a fine. That sort of thing. And uh, this episode popped up. And I just listened to it, just randomly listened to it. I'm like, I really like the voice and and uh, and how you were conveying the vocal. And I really liked how the guitar playing was. Uh, I'm a huge Nick Drake fan um, and a huge Hayden fan. I don't know if you're cool. familiar with Hayden or not. Yeah, I am. Yeah. So um, I've seen Hayden probably with four times. Um, Anyway, so I heard this. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? So um, I listened to the episode. I went and listened to a bunch of your music. I found some videos and stuff. And listened to a bunch there. Listened to your discography. Went back, re-listened to the episode with Sam. And I'm like, okay, who the hell, who the hell is this guy? I, there was something fascinating about the way you write that I just didn't really... There's not a lot of artists I find that write in the way that you're writing. It's, it's not, I'm not, it's, it has your stamp on it and it's very much your stamp. And I, I just wanted to kind of talk about the songwriting process with you. That's why yeah, you're I, here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know. Is there anywhere in particular you would like me to start or you want me to just pull something out and then we'll start going from there or what? Well, let's, let's start with, so when you're, so I, the, the latest album I was listening to that uh, a lot yeah. today. I listened to it like four times today. Oh, thank was, you. Yeah, I, I want to do a little bit of uh, you know, a little bit of work beforehand, just make sure that you know I know who I'm talking to. <laughs> Absolutely, but, man. I really appreciate that. Thank you. But, but uh, I wanted to give you some spins, but I'm not, I was really enjoying it too. And then it set me down. Well, you saw my post on on Instagram. It set me down this this other road of all these other artists I was listening to afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But what I want to know is, so the last album that you did, how do you put, yeah. how did you put the album together? Was it, did you have, I have a bunch of songs done, I have enough for an album, or was there a, a mission going in where it's like, okay, I want to write uh, 
not a concept album per se, but just an album that features this side of my personality or like, how, how, how do you approach that? Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not so much of a forward thinker that I can think in concepts or, um, you know, have an overarching idea. I, I write song by song and then when I have a group of them, then I kind of flesh out a concept from there. Okay. Um, and usually what happens is there's a lot of overlap because I, I write so personally and it's, it's my life. It's, it's my experience. So there's, there's going to be a lot of overlap, um, naturally. Where your head's at at the time. Yeah. And so I, I kind of feel like every, every album or every collection of songs that I put out is kind of a snapshot of my life, like a year or two prior to that. Okay. <laughs> Cause yeah, it, sure. you know, it, yeah. ta it takes me a, a two or three years to write, uh, and then this album in particular took an incredibly long time uh, to to record. So I always find it funny that the 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 songs on the album to everybody are are, are new, but to me they're they're actually uh, two years behind. So what and was so the struggle I, with this one? Like you said, it, it took two years. Like why two years on this one? Like is it? Is it structurally uh, or uh, emotionally? Uh, it's a yeah, it's a mix of everything. So, I first of all, I needed to figure out who I wanted to record with. So I did demos with a bunch of different people around the city, and I'd already worked with Jordan Bach on "Where We're From" on those uh, self-indulgent punk songs that are in the middle of the album. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I also just knew him because he he had worked on a lot of the albums that I that I listened to, like a lot of the local albums that I listened to, like Danger Cat, and uh, he's worked with Comeback Kid. Oh. And, oh wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And the, the cool thing is, and I, I've said this before, but um, working with him was really interesting, and really drew me to work with him because he he pretty much primarily works in punk music and just heavier music in general. So for him to get to work with someone like me, who's on the opposite side of the spectrum was exciting, exciting for the both of us. And it kind of pushed our, our boundaries uh, together. So, so a bit of a learning curve on his end as well to and how to, to take yeah. back, like pull back. Yeah. So, so to go back to your original question, it took me a while to settle on Jay, first of all, and then when we finally started recording together, um, at the time I didn't even have my driver's license. So I was actually getting driven to these recording sessions by my parents. Um, and so that really like limited how long we had and, and um, what, he, what he really wanted to do is take like a week or two and just bang the whole thing out in two weeks. Like nonstop. The punk rock way. The punk rock way. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I've I've never really done it that way. Because um, before this, I'd been working with my dad, and because we we were you know working from home and whatever, we just did it whenever we wanted to. So, so that would be like the last the last album would be would be that way, like the album before. Yeah, where we're from, and this one's for you. Both okay, of those yeah. were done with my dad, and oh. yeah, we just kind of did them whenever the hell we wanted to, 
And so I was really excited to bang it out in two weeks, like I because it takes me a lot to get into that frame of mind emotionally, whatever, to sing these songs. So I was like, yeah, let's let's really dive into these songs. Let's really get into them for two weeks, and then and then we'll we'll fine tune it, nitpick it, like mix wise and whatever. But it didn't end up going that way because um, first of all, the first run through that we had, we didn't like it. He was like, I want to do this over. Like, there's something wrong here. I want to fix it. So we just started from scratch. The second time I was working on getting my driver's license, there was a lot of other uh, personal stuff going on. So I had to stop recording. And so much time had gone by that we got so disconnected from what we did that we ended up doing it again. And then, um, unfortunately, and I... And I don't know how I got away with not talking about this uh, in, on Witch Police, but unfortunately, my dad got brain cancer. Ooh. And, um, and so, obviously, <laughs> um, I called him and I was like, dude, I, I can't, can't think about recording right now. Obviously, he was 100% like he was totally okay with it. But again, that just put another couple months on the project. And going through that experience, at the end of it, I was like, do I even, do I even want to continue doing this? And I, I got very, 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 very close to, to not finishing it. Um, I, part, partly because I already had a hard time with, with, letting someone else at the reins that wasn't my dad oh yeah and so the fact that he wasn't here i just it it really it really tore me up inside but lo and behold to answer your question i finally pushed through and we got it done and i am so incredibly proud of it and i'm i'm ready to continue recording that way, like full okay. production, full band, and I'm very excited with full how band. I, yeah, good. Yeah. Um. Wow. Okay. I. I know. There's a I, lot I, of info I, there. I, yeah. There's a lot of so. Okay. <laughs> so, so I knew there was some there was some connection that I was making with you, and I I, I don't know I didn't know why, but I think I know why now. So. Ah, uh, this is hard to talk about, but uh, Todd and I were in a band with our dad, actually mm. a couple of bands with our dad, and mm. um, that was the coolest thing, man. It was the coolest thing. Uh, the dream come true to be able to play with him eventually when he asked me to join his band originally that my brother was already in, mm -hmm. yeah. and we played with him for a long time until he passed, and then mm -hmm. when um, when he was going through that. Um, I said, I'm not doing music again. I don't want to do it if I can't play with them. That whole thing. And then um, on his last week, he... Uh, well, sorry, this is hard to talk about. But in the last week, he told me... And we're allowed to swear on this show. I'm going to tell you exactly what he said. He said, don't you dare fucking give up on your music. Their music is you. It's important. You and your brother yeah. have to keep going forward. And if you don't, I'm going to come back and haunt you. That's what he said. <laughs> and I'm like, 
okay, I guess, you know, we, we don't have an option here. The man has spoken. Yeah. So we carried on and I think uh, the band that Todd and I had uh, afterwards, which was Dome, mm -hmm. um, we did really well with it. And I think the songs had, uh, I don't know, it had something. You know, it's almost like he was guiding us or, or something. Yeah, but, it had that, yeah. Little extra, that little extra push. You know? Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm glad you kept going because he'd want mm -hmm. you to, right? Of course. And uh, uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, I think, um, yeah, it, so, it sounds like we're kind of cut from the same cloth. My my dad taught me everything I know about music. You know, he mm -hmm. introduced he introduced me to to music and um, taught me taught me everything I know. So um, yeah, it makes it that much harder, but it also it also pushes me that much more at the same time. So it's yep. very, 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 very bittersweet. Yeah. But what, what did he play? Did did he play? Uh... He actually, so he actually didn't really play any instruments. Uh, he tried to play drums, but he was really bad. Okay. So <laughs> so that's why he he kind of gravitated towards recording. I distinctly remember like being five years old and having like the neighborhood kids over at our house to record demos. Like he would, he would record demos awesome. for these, for these bands. Yeah. And, um, so he had, he had some recording experience, um, which was why I, I asked him to be a part of those original albums. Um, but it was also cool for him cause he hadn't recorded since like the nineties. Mm -hmm. So he was, he was learning all this, all this new technology and, you know, it was a good father-son project, of course, and oh man, yeah. And obviously now it's it's that much more special to me. Um, but he also knew that it was time for me to to level up in a sense and um, and get with someone that actually knew how to use the gear that that he had, and um, Just keep moving and yeah, forward. get a yeah, yeah get a full band behind me, get the production behind me and and just push myself forward so um he was able to hear a couple of the songs that we were recording before he passed but the album never wasn't finished until after yeah so um man that's, yeah well, that's heavy dude that's pretty heavy <laughs> that's really heavy. That's heavy well i see and you know what i i appreciate this because it's hard to talk about and i don't I don't want to really talk about it in a sense because I don't want people to focus on that. I don't, I don't want that to be the headline. But, oh, amen. Um, amen. Like, yeah, I, I, like, I, I never really shared this, our story publicly either. Cause it was just like, it was a thing we were doing and you know, I, I don't know. I, I didn't want, I didn't want a pity parade for sure. Exactly. Like, yeah. We just, but, but I'm glad that you shared and, and now we're, we're, that much closer and we don't even yeah. know each other look at that how about that how about that wow so um shit todd now i think that's the song that we wrote for dad we mm -hmm. really have to do it on sam's show now we don't have a choice yeah we gotta do it <laughs> so um but the one thing we got to do before he passed he was he was sick at the time i guess 
iPod. You, uh, my my dad, off, yeah, yeah. My, my dad, my mom was uh, or our, my mom, our mom was <laughs> fairly famous in the seventies as as a singer, and she got a chance to do lots of recording and stuff, and she got to do all this stuff. And my dad was kind of always on the sidelines watching, and yeah. he never got a chance to go in studio or anything. So, um, the last band we had with them, we actually went in the studio. Todd and I wrote a song, is a song. The song that I wrote about my wife, how, how she's not, uh, she's a little atypical from everyone else. <laughs> and uh, it was a beautiful song and, and dad really loved it. And we said, well, let's record it, dad. Like, but he'd never been in a studio before. So we got a chance to actually bring him into to the studio, record the song with them. And we have it. And we even have him. He even said something at the beginning of the, of the, of the song. You get to hear him and you get to hear him play on it as well. And it was like, Man, yeah. like I was so glad we were able to do that with him before. You priceless. So yeah, like I was. Yeah. I've, I've been listening to it a lot this week, probably because of you, because there's some sort of <laughs> weird <laughs> connection going on there. Yeah. But uh, I, yeah, Todd and I are thinking of. I don't know. Uh, Sam wants us to contribute a song to his uh, his show, and uh, we're thinking of doing that one. So absolutely, yeah. dude. Like making acoustic, it happen acoustic version of it i guess An acoustic version yeah. yeah yeah oh man i'm almost i'm like i'm done now like <laughs> <Interview's> <laughs> i had a whole now. bunch of other questions but holy <laughs> sh- crap did we um so okay well okay i'll I have, go I back to my questions i had here oh yeah you yeah, go i got a you random, go, yeah. I get a random question okay go ahead uh, i was listening to uh i don't really know yeah and I, I, when I was listening to it, what came to mind was it's kind of like a Simon and Garfunkel, uh, call me Al type of uh, groove to it. I, I don't know if that's co- even even close or correct or not. But I'm just wondering, what what are your influences like musically? Because I know you're saying you're, you're using your, your personal life uh, as writing music, but but what are your but, your outside influences uh, when you do write your music? Like musically or lyrically or both. Um, I guess, um, musically. Yeah. Cause you were talking about Simon and Garfunkel with that. Like so, style, yeah. um, so I, I've said this a thousand times. Everybody knows this about me and I've done multiple cover sets as well, but my catalyst was city in color. Oh yeah. Um, okay. when I, when I heard his music, I it I just gravitated towards it. It was kind of like it was just that that sound that I had been missing my whole life, and I and I just mm-hmm. I I grabbed onto it with all my heart, and um, that's when I I moved towards acoustic guitar, and I learned all of his songs, and then I started learning how to sing and play at the same time, and the, his songs were the first ones that I that I was able to I- sing and play. So his influence is, is everywhere. It's still, it's still there. It's without him, I'd be nothing, but moving to um, after that, um, I would say, uh, I mean, Nick Drake is one of them. So that's, that's really cool that, that you could pick up that influence. Um, a lot of the folk bands like Head in the Heart, the Paper Kites are a huge one. Um, Neil Young was huge because he was one of the first 
first music that I ever remember hearing, you know, as a kid. Yeah. Uh, and then throughout my teens, I saw you posted it, but uh, Weaker Things, John K. Sampson is one of my songwriting heroes. Oh, um, yeah. And so musically, I'm I'm definitely influenced by that, but uh, yeah, I'm also influenced by people who use alternate tunings. So, okay. um, so like open D tunings and just really weird ones. Um, I try to, I try to find things that I've never heard before. Like people use open D all the time. So I try to, sure. I try to put something a little, a little extra in there, a little bit different, a little bit off that kind of sets me apart. Um, and so anytime I see a band or an artist using an alternate tuning, I will, I will search up the tabs or I'll figure out what the hell they're doing somehow. I've even gone so far as to like watch live videos and watch them tune before they play the song. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll do all. And so I have like a, a bank of alternate tunings in my head um, that keeps growing. Um, I don't know. Does that kind of answer your question? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so you don't follow yeah. a certain formula for for each song that you do. You just kind of like, oh, absolutely like, you say, not. With, like when you say your alternate tuning. So that would be something you would throw in and say, "Oh, you know, this time I'm going to try this, or next time I'm going to try this." Yeah. Or do you do you yeah. take the lyrics first, write the music, or do you do the music first and then write the lyrics? It's usually music first because the uh, the music usually informs where the lyrics are going to go. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like I, and and usually, the music also informs what kind of melody I can make, um, because something like I don't really know is actually, I I I sing pretty fast. Like there's a, it's pretty wordy. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of words in that song. Um, but something that's a little bit more drawn out, um, might might have you know one sixth of of that um so and sometimes i'll have like a certain line in my head that that has really stuck to me like a i don't know just something random and so i'll, I'll say that line over a bunch of different musical ideas and whatever feels best to me i will i will take that and i'll run with it like i'll keep writing okay um and sometimes that ends up in a song sometimes it's an unfinished song um for a long time uh, i used to say i'd write three half ideas before i get a full idea so i'd take the best yeah. parts of the three ideas and it would kind of morph itself into the full idea so it's not usually when you're writing a song, you have a you know a beginning, middle, and end. So you may have part of a song, you'll kind of put it aside for a bit, and then something may come to you later on. You go by, oh, that would go well with this song, and then you just keep writing. Yeah, I mean, if um, if you haven't noticed, I don't usually write courses. I I never think. Oh, yeah, yeah. I never think in verse, course, verse, course, bridge, course, course. I never think of that. And I probably never will. I I love other people's courses, but I 
hate writing courses because every <laughs> every single thing that I try and write in a course manner is like, why would anyone want to hear this again? Like, what's the point of this? Who cares? So I usually repetitive. Yeah. So I usually just yeah, I usually just move on. Like sometimes it'll come out naturally and usually the course is like one line long. <laughs> like I don't really know. I, I say that at the end of each verse. But I wouldn't consider that a course. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I can think of like two or three songs off the top of my head that I wrote that have courses that sooner or later and which is a new one. It's okay, it's all right, which is one of my oldest songs. Oh, yeah. And uh that's it. <laughs> like, I I really don't. So, um, I usually just write until I feel like I've said what I need to say, and I don't usually think in structure. Um, so you don't have okay. Well, I have to put like three hundred words on this song. You you write the song. No. It's what it is. You could bring the music. I mean, you're playing your music. That can take you through. You don't need to have words with it. No, I, and that's why I can write like the last song on this one's for you, which which is my first boy, is ten minutes long. It's it's stupid. I don't even remember how I wrote that. Like I don't. I couldn't even begin to think about writing a 10 minute song now if i if i try and <laughs> and i think like the longest song on the new album is not even three minutes so my writing style has definitely changed but the thing that stayed constant is the fact that i don't worry about about that structure you, your longest song is, is three minutes and 18 seconds there you go <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the new one yeah wow, i didn't realize it was this short yeah yeah because you know what yeah because it's 10 tracks and i'm like is it over it's, it's 24 what? minutes long yeah it's yeah. ridiculous <laughs> and actually i felt kind of bad because when i finally put them all together for the first time I'm like 24 minutes what the hell it's barely an album <laughs> that's not even a set but <laughs> yeah. exactly it's barely a set like i yeah. can play my full album and still have time for an encore like it's ridiculous um so, but the thing that I've noticed about my writing now, or at least for this album, uh, is I'm I'm writing a lot more uh, po oh, poignantly, in that the the words that I use and the and the phrases that I use carry multiple meanings, and they they really speak in many different ways. So I try to make every second of the song count. And I don't I don't draw things out. I don't make things last just so that I hit the 3 minute 30 mark. You know, I I say what I need to say and it and that's it. And that's usually why my songs start instantly with vocals because I don't I just didn't want to waste time with instrumental instrumental breaks or anything i just wanted to get to what i needed to say yep. and and be done with it and let the song stand on its own um and let people take what they want from it that's actually was leading into the question i was going to ask which was sure. um when 
I'm, I'm principally in all the songwriting that Todd and I do. I'm, I'm generally the voc or generally the vocalist and generally the lyricist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I write some other parts, but the from a lyrical perspective, I always try to make it to a point where it's it. You could listen. You can listen to the. You can read the words or listen to the singing and go, okay, that's what this is about. But on the second listen, there's going to be a word that stands out or a phrase that stands out where like, oh, oh, wait a minute. That's not what this is about. It's actually, and then you got to go back and listen to it again because you're like, well, there's, I, mm-hmm. I always purposely put, I don't, I don't know if I call it a swerve, but I like to tell the story in every song that is straightforward and that someone can jump in and interpret. But I always purposely put something in there that, it's not as straightforward as you think. So, um, yeah, like there's a song we did called, uh, it's called premature and it's at face value. Everyone thinks, Oh, this is like a, a jokey song. It's, it, you know, uh, I think everybody assumed it was, uh, I don't know, Todd, how would you describe it? <laughs> <laughs> well, you can put premature in front of any word. So there, you could, but everyone, so everyone assumed the song was 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 premature evacuation. Okay, mm-hmm. everyone assumed that's what it was. <laughs> yeah, and that was kind of the joke about it. But the song was is it seems like it's telling some sordid story, but the truth is, it was a song about how when we'd play a show, and we were the headliner only because the other bands didn't want to play last. <laughs> And yeah. people would leave. And the mm-hmm. song was written about, you should give us a chance. You shouldn't be leaving prematurely. Mm-hmm. You should be listening to us. Like, if you're not... And, Amazing. And there's a line in it, you can't see the forest for the trees that's repeated. And the idea is, look, if you're you're making an assumption of what this song is about, what our band is, but you're not really listening, are you? You should go back and listen. That's what the song's about. That's but, everyone, but everyone hears it as something else. And it's like, oh, this is the 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 fist pumping, you know, foot stomping uh, joke song. And it's like, damn it, that's not what it is. <laughs> yeah, you know? that's, that's, I think that's some of the fun that we get to have as song, songwriters. Yeah, right? yeah, definitely. And you, can, and you can write anything and disguise it as something completely different. And that's why you, we can write personally and we can choose like i choose to write personally and wear my heart on my sleeve but a lot of other people choose to write personally but they wrap it in so many different metaphors symbolism whatever that if you didn't know the person personally you would have no idea yeah, yeah. like right? uh yeah. your your song small talk like that one i oh wait i think is that the right one uh hopefully i'm not getting it wrong I, I listened to your whole catalog a bunch of times and I, I might be mixing stuff up but i think that's the one where there is kind of um pickup lines and that sort of thing going on in there is that am i, am I getting that right like pickup lines as in uh like, like trying to trying to pick somebody up but i'm like yeah. but there's more going on here like it's yeah so that that song is about uh that is about trying to tell someone how you feel but being in the wrong place at the wrong time uh and so the 
and this is one of the one times where I've actually tried to set a scene. And so okay. this is supposed to be like at a party and it's loud and there's, and there's people everywhere and you're kind of like yelling into the girl's ear being like, Hey, can we go talk somewhere? And she's like, I don't know what you're saying, but sure. And then you, yeah. and then you walk off and then, and then you're kind of staring at her or, and you're saying, okay, do I do this now? Do I do this now? And so there's all these things running through your brain. And um, I think at the end of the song, it decides he's not going to do it. Uh, and, he, and he walks away. But through the song, you hear what's going through his brain. And he's like, this girl is, the, this person is the love of my life. And I need to tell him, but I can't. Um, like I felt it was I felt there was layers there too because the just the way it's sung and stuff it, it sounds like okay because because that's the impression I get like first listen it's like oh okay he's like I figures out a party or somewhere and you're actually you know trying to approach this approach this person and then it's mm -hmm. like wait a minute I think there's something more going on here like I was getting more every every listen and I'm like okay th this is this is calculated the way this is put together. It's not, it's not a face value. It, it can be taken that way, but then you're not really enjoying the song if you're not going back and, and kind of pulling it apart a bit. And that's, that's kind of what I got from that one. It's so nice to talk, lock to talk to other songwriters. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it, th thank you. Thank you very much for that. Um, I, I do try to do that. I think that one actually isn't one that, I would say has the most layers. If you want to talk about layers, um, the song "Morning," which is one oh, of the, yeah. which is one of yeah. the one-minute song, one-minute yep, song yep. song. Um, first of all, it's one of the most upbeat songs on the album. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, wait a minute, the title yeah. doesn't match. Exactly. But then maybe it does. <laughs> so the inspiration behind that song. Uh, sorry to bring it back here, but I wrote it. Um, after the Tragically Hips final show. Okay. Um, because uh, I, have a lot, I have a lot of connection with Tragically Hip uh, and my dad and my childhood. And it just so happens, didn't know this until after, of course, like, like way after I wrote this song, but the, the cancer that Gord Downey had is the same that my dad has. Uh, okay. Okay. So that's just another layer. But anyways, wow. that song in particular, um, I wrote it after I saw that final show, and I wanted to write about legacy, right? Because everyone was talking about Gord Downey's legacy and what he was leaving behind, and and the impact that he had on Canada and the millions and millions of people that have a connection to the hip's music. So I was thinking about legacy, um, and then I was thinking about uh, worry and anxiety, which I always think about. So it's turned into this upbeat song about anxiety, and the only thing that I say about legacy is at the very end when I say, like, how will you remember me? Tell, you, tell me you'll remember me. Uh, and 
there's no mention of mourning of any kind in the song at all. So for a songwriter, for me, we were talking about how we either write a song with our songs on our sleeves and say, I wrote this about this, or I can keep that a secret and I can, when I sing it, I'm thinking about my dad, I'm thinking about Gord Downey, but everybody else is bopping along to it and being like, oh, this is yeah. an actually an upbeat song for once. Oh, wow. But they're not actually, <laughs> for once, yeah. But they're not actually catching the deeper meaning. Um, yeah. But they might, they might, that's the thing, they might like 20 listens later go, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, like they just, might. and lock onto it like that's 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 what i like that's what i like in my when i'm listening to something like i, I yeah. if you listen to something on on kind of contemporary radio and you like it instantly and you're bopping your head instantly is it going to last five or ten listens down the road or is it going to grow with you and, and kind of become part of your psyche like that's that's the true test of a song exactly yeah you know, I agree one hundred percent. When you uh, everybody could buy albums, and when you open them up, they would have all the lyrics to each song, right? Mm -hmm. It's yeah. it's too bad they don't. I mean, nowadays with the CDs and stuff, there's there's almost there's no room to put any of that. And now everything's going digital, so now that's even out the window. It's almost like when you have a song, and you have the lyrics, that's fine. But there should also be a little right up beside it. And and the way you, you explain it, like anybody who listened to the song first, second, third, fourth, fifth, they may not get exactly what it is that, that, that you were trying to say. And it'd be nice if there was kind of a write-up with the song itself to kind of tell people what it's about and everything, just kind of explain it. And that way when they play it and they listen to it and hear the lyrics, they go, okay, now I get it. I, I, I see what you mean. I totally, there's, there's a, a double-bladed sword with that because... There will be a lot of songwriters that will tell you that music is meant for interpretation, right? And the sure. songwriter shouldn't have to tell anybody what the song is about. Right. And now we're doing a full circle because we've been talking about this, but I think it, I think it just... Don't listen to this episode. Yeah. I think <laughs> we're giving it, away all the tricks. <laughs> I think it just comes down to like the songwriter's preference, right? right. If, if, I, if I wanted people to know that story about Gord and, and about that whole connection. I can say that at a show or, um, or if someone asks me about it, but I don't know if I would particularly want that to be common knowledge. Well, it kind of, um, it kind of opens you up. Um, it, it bears your soul. So you may not want to do that with all your songs because you're, I do that enough personal. with my songs. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it's personal yeah. to you. Yeah. Um, and the, yeah, yeah. I'll just leave it at that. But I do want to say well, something about, about the lyrics though, because, uh, with my first few releases, I spent an exorbitant extra amount of money to make sure that my physical releases had a lyric book because my favorite thing as a kid was was going home with my new album, opening it up, listen, uh, listening to it for the first time with the lyrics in front of me, yeah. and reading yeah. reading yeah. along while I'm listening to it for the first time. Um, so I really wanted that for whoever was going to listen to my music. So I spent that extra money and I made sure that that happened with the the new album because of the situation that we're in and all that stuff. 
like what I really wanted to do was get a full band together and play these songs live full band for the first time and then get a physical release that way. But because of our situation, I decided, well, I really would rather not have to wait until 2021 or however long this is going to take. I really want people to hear this now. So I'm just going to put it out. And most people don't, unfortunately, they don't care about lyrics. They don't care about physical releases nearly as much anymore. Uh, point is, or I have to make a point where my first release, I, I made 500 CDs. I have like 10 left. That's This one's for you. I have like a, a very, very small handful left. I have a full box of like 250 uh, that where we're from left over because no one wants to buy CDs anymore. The first thing they say when I, when I, after I play a show is, are you on Spotify? And I'm like, yes. Uh, like I, I, for the longest time. The look the on your face, time, man, is the look on my face yeah, right no, now. It's, oh. it's so brutal. And no one understands, like unless you tell them explicitly or they're an artist themselves, no one really understands how terrible Spotify is to artists. Like no one knows how little of a percentage you're getting. I tell people it's like 0.00016 of a cent. We did, um, it's ridiculous. Um, we did an episode on Spotify and all the streaming services. Yeah. And we actually brought the data forward. So we actually, Oh, good for you. We did all the math and showed, showed what it looks like. So we actually grabbed Ed Sheeran, who was like at the time was the most streamed guy. Yeah, a mainstream person on Spotify, and we actually broke down his numbers to show how much money he actually made off his streaming, just to show how egregious, how horrible the the payment stream is. And Plus, a guy he, like a guy like him obviously has to pay off a, a record label and everybody else. Oh yeah, working you for should him. you should go back and listen to that one. It, it was uh, yeah, it, I want to. It it I'll, I'll send you the link to it. it we actually we actually found the numbers of what the percentages are with each uh, each streaming service and how much you get paid. We did the math on how many streams he had versus the percentages, and we actually calculated it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was around that time I think that we pulled our album off of Spotify. It cost more and, yeah, uh, to everything. be on Spotify than than we were getting out of it. Exactly, yeah, because yeah. like we had a lot of streams of our album uh, when we released it. And then in the end, after a year, you know, like, wow, we got all these streams. Like, we'll probably get all this money coming in. And then I, <laughs> it didn't even cover our, our costs of paying the, the provider. Never mind the cost of, like, yeah. It's just, it's disgusting. Yeah. And, and for the longest time, and maybe that's one of the reasons why I was able to sell almost 500 CDs, I didn't have anything on any online platform. Um, but as I started to play more shows and I started to play bigger audiences, um, that's all people were asking me. And I was yeah. like, well, would I, would I rather them walk away with nothing or have an avenue for them to listen? Because at the end of the day, all I really want is for people to, to listen, right? And, and to hear yeah. my music. I'm not going to be elitist and say, you can't listen to my music unless you buy a CD. That's not going to get me very far. No, um, no. So from a consumer's point of view, Spotify is the best thing ever. It really is. It's the absolute oh, for best sure. thing ever. It's, and it's the best way to get yourself in front of a larger audience. It's But 
Yeah, for the artists, it's just a kick in the pants. It really takes you absolutely nowhere, even if you are a multi-platinum selling artist. Yeah. Because yeah. because your costs are much higher, you know? Yeah. Like, we were lucky. Like, when we made our CD, my brother is a – he went to school for sound engineering or whatever it is, Todd. Can't remember what the courses courses were called, Mid-Ocean, but he actually Mid-Ocean Todd recorded. Yeah, it was actual the big console. Uh, so this was all like through you know the digital audio tapes and stuff, the DAT units and yeah. like the old technology from uh, late eighties, early nineties. Uh, and that's I'm pretty sure that's what my dad must have used. Yeah. So yeah, yeah when probably. when we came to to do this album. It was like everything's digital now. Everything's you know you could just do it from your laptop. So I I downloaded Reaper because uh, it was free, uh, and you can you know they'll they'll give you a full you know you can use it. it. Doesn't cost you anything, but you can register. So I I ended up buying it because I used it so much. I figured yeah. it's, it's a good investment. So and that's the right thing to do anyway. Yeah. So I I did I did that. Um, I did a whole bunch of research on how to do. You know how to mix you know the 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 kick and the bass and the the guitar and all the different uh frequencies and then the the vocals and then how to you know add effects to it and and try and do it you know half half fast right <laughs> so yeah and, and that was my first attempt uh, at a digital you know recording so uh i mean it, it turned out uh, uh, i'm happy with it um although <laughs> Uh, it, like a real sound engineer would probably look at it and go, okay, well, you missed this, you missed this, you missed this. But uh, for what we were doing, and, and uh, I think it turned out not too bad. I, I like it. I, I, I think I think the sound's great on it, better than a lot of local releases that I've heard. So I think Pod did a top, top-notch job. Well, better than the tape start player somewhere. that we used to use, the tape player with the, the microphone that was about the size of a pinhole. <laughs> Do you remember those? Yeah. And how crappy yeah. the sound was? Well, this was way better than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The The first album I recorded was back in 2000. It was when I did by myself. And I, I had, a, it was a double cassette um, tape machine. So I could I could record my, so I would record the drums on there with, with that little mic. And then I would have one track of drums. And then I would play the drum track and I would play bass over top through the speaker again and record up the second cassette deck and then i'd have my second track and i would do that and layer the whole thing that way and, and you, boy once you get up to the 10th uh, track on there it just just, just muddled horrible just, just muddy yeah. yeah but 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 you know you, you you use what you have and then uh you know at least you got a copy of it my what you mentioned before about legacy I, i've got two young daughters uh three and five and I keep thinking about my dad or our dad and uh, how, you know, he always, like, he always talked about legacy. Like I want my, you know, my kids to remember me. I, you know, he never got a chance to meet his grandkids, like my grand, like my kids got, yeah, yeah. he met Todd's kids, but um, I had kids later. So it's like, I keep thinking like, I got to record anything and everything I have good or bad or, you know, because it's all personal stuff and I want it out there for them to hear. Yeah. Um, to me, that's like, that's everything. I, I, I went through a panic because I, I thought I'd lost a bunch of stuff that I recorded, even the stuff off that crappy tape recorder thing. I thought I'd mm-hmm. lost some and I found it all and, and slowly 
populating it up on SoundCloud because I want it to be free and I don't want people to have access to it like forever. You know, yeah, I think it's I super have, important. I have a vault of stuff. I don't know if I want people to hear it, but I but I keep everything. I I have everything. Um I also think that that's really important because not only for other people, but it also it's also a wealth of knowledge and progress for you, the songwriter. Yeah. Um, I I usually I once in a while I'll go back and and look at my old ideas and see if I get inspired again, or I'll look back on my old ideas and go, well, at least I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> um, why am I singing with that nasally tone or yeah. why am I <laughs> yeah. like for, for the longest time it, it's really hard to track your own progress right especially sure. with like singing and writing it's because you're your own worst critic and everything you do is terrible and blah, blah 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 but when I look back at the stuff that I made when I first started even even my voice, I, I'm like, wow, I am such a better singer. And it's not it's not that I I I I've never taken any lessons or anything like that. It's just it's just pure practice, and it's just sure. it's just doing it. Um, and so I'm I'm recognizing now just how much I've grown as a singer as well as a songwriter, and and having this huge growth between uh where we're from and and the new one in terms of production and full band it's really showing me like just how much i can i can push myself forward and and change my sound and develop it and and um and so i can't wait like 10 years from now being being able to go back into the vault and listen to those first recordings to where end up to wherever i end up 10 years from now and being able to see that difference, that's really exciting to me. Yeah, that is, yeah. So you so you have everything. You've never thrown anything out. You got everything? I've got everything. Yeah. Good. I'm usually the person who so, records when we when we do stuff, whether we're with Dome or with uh, the other bands that we're with. So anytime we would jam or we would just do something just on the fly to warm up, I kept I kept everything. So if if I ever went back to it, I could probably go through stuff to say that oh well this this sounds pretty good or that sounds pretty good. We could probably make a song out of that <laughs> just just on some you know yeah some clips. Yeah, you know even even some of the most revered songwriters do that. I know like Neil Young and Crazy Horse they uh, record every single jam that they have, and right right from like the seventies. Can you imagine like fifty years? Oh man of of jams like it's ridiculous yeah it's or, great or i've heard you know metallica does the same thing and kirk will be like you know i've got like 400 riffs uh that i'm choosing from for the next album and you're like how <laughs> like what <laughs> but, but but that's, that's the thing if you part get of the process when you get i think it's important to do that especially in a band setting where there's four of you and you're coming up with an idea and at the time live during that practice you may go god this is crap this is horrible and you kind yeah. of play it out and then you know you play it out for 10 15 minutes whatever it is and then you don't think about it again but then you go back to that recording going there's that nugget in there that is yeah. just 
how so did we seven miss seconds. that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think a lot, like a lot of great songs, come from that. Like it's absolutely. Yeah. It, you're so hard on yourself as a writer or as a musician that you just, you know, this is garbage, and you don't want to go back to it, but yeah, you should. I think it gets harder, like as as you continue writing. At least for me, like I'm much harder on myself than I than I used to be. And I'm much more critical, and I, and I pick, I'm way more picky and choosy as to what I, what I develop more, what I end up releasing, blah blah blah. I, um, I think that I, there's expectations of other people, but also expectations on yourself, because you're constantly trying to one up yourself, right? Sure. Um, it's very exhausting and it, um, very, very, very frustrating. But I, I guess that's one of the main things that keeps us striving for the next best song, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, we talk about the band setting. So your your next release, or you're talking about setting up a band. Like, what's what's your what's your thought process there? Like, why do you want to do that? And B, how would you do that exactly? And what sort of position would these people have? Well, in your band, like what's what's the actual a, role? That's a great question. Well, because I've only written songs one thousand percent by myself, um, I think for, for at the beginning, I feel like they would just be a backing band. Um, okay. Just because I've got a I've got three albums worth of material. Um, that has yet to be played in this way. So I feel like at first that would probably be their role. But as I, as I grow and progress, um, and if I find a group of guys that, you know, really, really, really work well together and that I can take my ideas to in that way, absolutely. I have no problem with collaborating. I, I love collaborating. I'm actually, in a punk band with just one of my best friends in the world, um, but we collaborate, and I have collaborated before, and I and I love doing it. But when it comes to my music, like I said, it's just so personal. It's really, really, really hard to collaborate with someone with these personal ideas. And I think the the punk band is is a little bit of a, a step away from that. Um, it's a little bit more lighthearted, um, a little bit more fun, <laughs> yeah, where yeah. where I don't have to th take myself so seriously, um, and so I'm able to loosen the reins a little bit. But yeah, with my my with my own stuff, I mean, we'll see what happens. But I think for sure at the beginning, it'll definitely be like a backing band sort of thing. Um, and how I would do that. Uh, I mean, I've been in the scene long enough and I've got tons and tons of friends like at the ready to help me whenever, whenever I want, which is a wonderful, wonderful feeling. But of course we're in this situation where we can't play live uh, and we yeah. can't even, and we can't even practice if we wanted to. Um, but I, I definitely have like a, like a list of, of people that I, that I would consider uh, the the other thing that you have to think about too, even though they're my backing band and 
they they still need to work well together. Um, I think it would be pretty difficult, even though I might feel close to them, it, it'd be a little bit difficult to pull together a couple of complete strangers with one another and say, okay, now let's play my songs. So, um, and well, what's like, I guess the, the thing too, is if you're bringing in, like, if you're bringing in friends, are they just going to take the songs that you have and just work something out around it? But is there, is there a chance that you would like Hayden brought a, one of the tours I saw him on, he actually had a backing band mm-hmm. and then, um, it kind of restructured his songs a little bit. Um, would like would you would your songs change like tempo wise or like what like what are your what are you envisioning? The the ones that are that are already full band probably not. We'd probably be recon like re um just kind of playing them as they are on the album. But but all of the songs that came before this, I would love 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 to restructure them in a full band setting. So that would be our our opportunity for collaboration because. Um, one of the things that I do want to do when this is all over is actually record some of my old songs, um, reimagined in a full band slash full production. Electric. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Gringo Full Electric. Dyson yeah. Electric. There's your album title. <laughs> Done. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <they're... laughs> or like uh, Nick Dyson plugged. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that Bill's name There's, in the back um, of it. <laughs> yeah. Nick, are you familiar with uh, Seth Anderson at all? Uh, no. I was thinking about Matt Anderson for a second. The, oh. But no, not Seth Anderson. Uh, um, he's from Edmonton or Calgary. He's from Alberta. Uh, we just saw him before the whole COVID thing took place. Our, our cousin is uh, hes playing bass in that band. And he was a similar similar to yourself, I guess, in some respects. Uh-huh. Very good, very good songwriter. Like amazing structure, the way he puts everything together. Yeah. Um, it's not just the same strumming guitar in every song, and he's it just you know telling a story. There's layers to what he does. So he's a very, very strong songwriter. But what he did on this tour for this latest album, which he recorded, it's just pretty much him. He said, "I want a band, and I want to go out on tour with a band." So he brought in some really strong guys, uh, our cousin being one of them, and they redid all of his stuff so it could be played live as a band. So they restructured a bunch of those songs, and the guy could not stop smiling through the whole set. He's like, oh, my God, my songs, they sound so good. And I think when you have a great song and you put very talented musicians behind it, I don't think it's ever going to take away from the song. It may add to the song, but yeah. I, I really strongly suggest you find some videos or go listen to his stuff if you can. Absolutely. And go look at some of the lo- the the live videos of the last tour he did before he got shut down with the COVID. Um, and just maybe use that as, as something to look at. Like, okay, this is what he sounds like on album. Because he never recorded with a band on album. And hear what he sounds like live. It might be a good... Um, a good point a, a good thing to listen to just go, oh okay that's how he did that okay very cool but it, yeah but no, it was, definitely dude, it was amazing it was really good really pop yeah definitely. but it made me appreciate the acoustic songs even more it, it's mm-hmm. weird it, like, even though it was all electric and all plugged in when we saw them it made me appreciate the acoustic 
it, it, it's weird. It was so well done, so well done. And there's there's some bands that when you see them play live, it's basically a complete reproduction of the album. You can you can barely tell the difference. But then there's some guys, like like this guy, the, the Seth Anderson, who completely reinvents the songs for a live setting. Um, and I, I like the idea of both. And so I think, yeah. I think to reinvent some of my old songs would be really invigorating and, and really um, inspiring just musically to to do that and to collaborate. But I, I but there's also songs that you're like, okay, this song, if I were to reproduce this the way it is on the album live, it would be incredible, and I don't want to mess with that. Yes. So yeah. you gotta, you gotta. Yeah, he did some. He did. There's. There's one song he did. It was just him. He's like, I, I don't think we want to do this one that way, which I, I think he'd be able to pull off too. It's like, okay, well, this stuff really works good in the band setting, but this, this is way too personal, way too raw, way too whatever. And just, and it's okay to do that. Like I, I totally think it's okay to do that. Just step back for a couple yeah. songs, just, you know, do them the way they were originally intended. And it adds way more dynamic to to the live performance too, right? If you're going full band, full on the entire show, the the songs can sometimes blend together. But if you're sure. changing the dynamic and going acoustic and then going full band and switching it up that way, it really allows people to stay engaged. What What do you think of someone backing you up on a on a harmony vocal? Like oh, harmonizing I love, with you. I love harmony. I love harmony. My girlfriend sings a harmony on a lot of the songs on the new album. And then Oh, that's who that is. Okay, I was wondering who that was. All right. Yeah. And yeah. then um on this one's for you, I actually have three different uh women on the on the album, friends of mine who have amazing vo voices. Um and then on on where we're from I have one, like a like a another different one. So yeah. I I love especially male to female. I, oh, I love yeah. I love that. That's why I I work with I worked with three on on that one album because I just I love that dynamic. Um, so I I will always go for that. I'm I'm always looking for ways to build that in. Um, but yeah, harmony is beautiful. I'm a I'm a oh, sucker yeah. for harmony. Yeah, our mom's um, it, our like I said, our mom sung in the '70s and stuff, and she was uh, she was doing a lot of like blues and jazz and stuff, I guess. And she never sang harmony; she was always lead. And in the '80s, she had a band, and they did a lot of Simon and Garfunkel mm -hmm. and that sort of stuff. And she had to learn and. Here I am watching my mom, like our mom, who I think is like this amazing singer, and she doesn't know how to do this. I'm like, what the? But then, <laughs> I didn't. What, I didn't know either. Yeah, uh, and then it's I, like you you learn how it works, and so she learned how it works. And as a harmonizer, like I don't know, she, I don't. Know, it, I, I love our mom. Like she's <laughs> she, she's cool. And I, um, I learned by just uh, singing to the radio, like just singing to my favorite songs. Oh, First sure. of all, trying trying to replicate the harmonies that were already in there, but then I would take it a step further and just try and harmonize throughout the entire song. Okay. Um, yeah. So I kind of built my ear that way, and then 
I had a couple of friends uh, that would come over and jam, and so we would harmonize with each other, and we kind of taught each other. We just practiced, um, and and now it it comes pretty naturally. My girlfriend's like a a, a trained singer. So she kind of pisses me off because she's way better than I am. <laughs> so um, you're self-taught. You're self-taught, right? From you know playing guitar and singing. You never went. To I did lessons. take. I took guitar lessons, but I I never I've never taken a, a vocal lesson. No. Um, but I I do pride myself on having a good ear, mm-hmm. and so I so when my like if someone sings a note, I I can pick out the harmony by ear. Right. Okay. Um. But uh, but yeah, anytime I'm I'm even a little bit off, my girlfriend will be like, <sighs> and she'll <laughs> she'll be like, you're a little bit flat, honey. Pick uh, it up, pick it up a little bit. <laughs> um, uh, I, I I took vocal lessons myself actually when when I joined my dad's uh, the first band I was in with with our with my dad and my brother. Um, I I don't know how I got the gig, but I guess I guess there's some uh, nepotism going on in that band. <laughs> but uh, I got in, and I honestly didn't think I sounded that great, so I actually went and took vocal lessons. And I was against the idea, you know. I I, I wanted to be self-taught, and you know, I sang along to everything, and you know, I I knew I wrote my own songs and all this, but I went and took the vocal lessons anyway. And what a difference! Just breathing right and and proper stance and, and all that stuff. And I, it made a big difference to me. It was like, Oh, I'm going to sing this perfect. And that's going to make it suck because imperfection is where, you know, I find a great vocal lies, but mm-hmm. it, it, it wasn't like that at all. It's like, I think, I think I take more chances now that I've been trained than I would have before. If that makes sense. Absolutely. And you know what? I think that's one of my shortcomings. I'm a little bit stubborn. I completely agree with everything you just said. And honestly, I probably should take vocal lessons. But I mean, you sound good. Don't get me wrong. You sound great. You've got a lot of different tones that you that you pull off and everything well, that I don't think you is going to get taught in a singing class, to be honest. But Well, thank you. But I, I do know that like I don't have that, that much control over my full voice. And I have I have limited a, a, a limited way of belting, so to speak. And but the way I viewed guitar playing through growing up, like I know the basics of theory, and I know I know how the thing works, and and I know. But I, I had a lot of friends that went to university for like jazz guitar or whatever. And they have such uh, an incredible understanding of how music works that I think it takes, for me at least, it takes a little bit of the magic away because they can hear something and they'll know exactly where to go. And they'll, in their mind, they'll be like, okay, from this chord, we have, we have this, 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 and this, and this that we can do. And what... Well, yeah, <laughs> but still, but on a way grander. <laughs> yeah, I don't really either. But uh, I have friends that like they have that knowledge, and that's incredible. And with that knowledge, they create some incredible music. But to me, that just that takes away some of the magic. 
of songwriting. Um, and just the things more that, technical, less personal, right? Yeah, and so I kind of feel the same way about voice, even though I know that that learning how to breathe right won't take away the the magic of the the personality in my voice. I know that, so I think I think that's a little bit of stubbornness, but I think that's where the stubbornness is coming from, is from guitar playing, even though I should know that they're separate. Well, yeah, Bob maybe Dylan. that maybe that's something. <laughs> Bob, oh, sorry. Bob, Go Bob, ahead. No, I was gonna say just Bob Dylan. The way he sings, I, I don't think he it would have been the same if he would have actually taken voice lessons. Oh, absolutely yeah, not. Think, yeah. Oh, yeah. That wouldn't have been as good. It would have changed the whole style well, altogether. But I also love, I love great singers like like classically trained or or just trained singers because they can do things that I'm like, how in the world are you pulling that off? Like, how is that even humanly possible? It doesn't make yeah. sense. Uh, um, I, I want to actually, I want to, oh, so I'm just going to add, add something here. So with the class, so being a trained singer, okay, so I've been a trained singer. I, uh, I auditioned for this dome band and then I get in and then I'm singing all my all my tricks and you know all the stuff that I learned in in school. And yeah. then my brother comes in and he joins the band as well. And then uh, I'm doing all the stuff I like. And then I'm being reined in by everyone else saying, "You really got to do that trick. Yeah. Why don't you just sing it? You really need yeah. to do that trick." So I actually had to be reined in. And just sing instead of going, oh, watch, I'm going to do this aria or whatever shit here. And <laughs> they, you know, and they, they pulled me back. And then I listened to it now. And it's like, I remember how I did it before and how they made me do it after. I'm like, oh, okay, you're right. There's a, there's a time to shine. There's a time to just sing the effing song. Exactly. And like, there's singers like, um, I don't know, like like Christina Aguilera, for example, like an an insane singer, mm -hmm. yeah. but but like she'll be singing one word and the, she'll do a run that's like thirty seconds long. It's like get to the next word already. Yes, yeah. like like I I know mm -hmm. you can do the run. I know you can do it. It's like it's impressive, but but we all know you can do it. So like just move on. And you've done it seven times in the song already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've sang you've sang three words and minutes gone by. Like just let's go. Um, so there's there's singers like that where you're like, okay, yeah, you could really do well by reeling it in. Um, so it's it's all all about finding that balance for sure. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, guys, and um, this has been a really 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 nice break from isolation. So I appreciate. I appreciate the uh, the company. I appreciate the the conversation. Um, I hope it's not too long. I mean, it's a podcast, so I don't I don't care. It's it's our <laughs> show. I, I it's as long as as long as we want it to be. Sure. Well, then I'm, yeah. then I'm happy. I'm happy if you're happy. What are you doing, <laughs> Grandpa? <laughs> Grandpa, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I want this COVID shit to be over so I can go watch you play. I've watched enough <laughs> videos online. I'm like, okay, I, I want to be at a show now. I want to go see a show. Well, thanks, man. I'll definitely, yeah. I mean, I hopefully, 
here's one thing that I'm hoping, like after this is all over, I just, I have a, I have this lingering feeling that people have taken live music, especially for granted for the oh, most part, oh, especially yeah. like, definitely. especially local music, because being the, the, I mean, people talk over me, like at least 80% of the time. Yep. Um, it's just something that I'm used to. And if a crowd is gonna is gonna stick the old dead silent for most shows, compliment in the world. And I've definitely had that multiple times. It's the greatest feeling in the world. But I feel I feel like I really hope that the first few shows after this is over are just gonna be packed. Because uh, people yeah. people yeah, are really yeah. starting to realize yeah, just how important not just getting out, but live music, live events. Um, just how important that is for for mental health, for for just overall well-being, you know. Yeah. But um, I think the, with being locked in like this, I think we've all had a chance to look in on ourselves. And yeah, we've had no choice. Things, yeah, remember <laughs> the things that we we forgot about. And mm -hmm. I know for me, being a, like being a musician and having performed, like I know what it's like to be on the stage. I know what it's like to be in the audience. And I really like when I go to show. Um, paying full attention and seeing people that don't do it i think people are going to be a bit more receptive to they're watching everyone's watching all these concerts these private concerts on youtube or on twitter or whatever and yeah, they're like, live streams, like yeah. oh my god these people are so good i'm hoping it just spurs this whole like we got to see these people like live like if they're that local if, music renaissance yeah if they're yeah. that good in their living room just imagine on a stage you know i'm hoping it gets to that point yeah me too man so yeah, I look forward to seeing you. And uh, yeah, well, I, I gotta buy I gotta buy some sure. CDs off of you for sure because I still buy CDs and I don't care what anybody tells me. I'm still gonna buy freaking <laughs> CDs. I don't care. Hell yeah! Well, well I'll, I'll do, I, we'll do a swap. I'll uh, we'll get, I'll give you one of ours. And, absolutely, yeah. yeah, I love doing that shit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. so uh, we'll cap it off there, and uh, I'll yeah, absolutely. I'll, boys. I'll keep in touch. I'll send you. I mentioned a few things in the show here that I'll maybe send you some links to. You can check it yeah, out. Yeah, I'll even I'll even link our music as well. It's all free yeah. online, so you can check that out. Yeah, too. I want to hear it. Yeah, awesome, dude. Thanks right, for doing this. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. nice talking to you guys. Thank okay. you so nice much. Yeah. All Have right. a good one. Have a good Talk one. Later. Bye. Take care. Okay. Bye. 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 Bye.